I don't want to lose what I have, but I also don't want to lose who I am. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. I'm excited about covering some of the questions we got coming in this week. Lots of things happening. Hey, here we are getting ready to go into the last quarter of the year. I hope you know exactly what you want to accomplish. I've been working with a lot of people recently, identifying exactly that. What do you want to have happen in the last quarter of the year? Well, here's some questions we're going to be looking at. Dan, is it possible to make money and stay true to your purpose? Well, you know where we're going to go with that. Here's a, a comment from a listener. I'm going to read a piece from a listener here in a little bit. But one of the things he says is they saw promise where I perceived uncertainty. They saw opportunity where I perceived deception. One of the things we keep circling back around to is the importance of mindset. Your mindset is a whole lot more important than what exactly happened out there in the world. Well, I got somebody here corrected me last week. I said, hey, don't waste your time trying to use LinkedIn for a job search. And the listener says, I just need to let you know I've used LinkedIn about 90% of the time in my career. It's been very efficient and effective. Well, I appreciate the feedback. And somebody says, I still don't get it. What I love to do and do best is writing software, but that's not unique at all. Well, we'll look at that. About this, Dan, I'm in a rock band. How can we be more confident in our pricing and our worth? All right. A quotation comes from George Bernard Shaw, one you're familiar with, but I want to highlight it because it really kind of captures a theme that we're going to be looking at. You see things and you say why, but I dream things that never were and say why not? All right. Again, mindset. If you complain about the way things are, boy, I mean, I listened this morning to a podcast where the uh, a guest said, if you think you're a victim, you are. I mean, it, it just that quickly, as soon as you think you're a victim, you are, and you'll start to think in that mentality. We well, can change that as well. Well, this comes from Brian. Love this. Love this input. He says, um, I'm Brian Duncan. A few years ago, I stopped by your office during a meet and greet and spoke with you yourself. At that time, I worked in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I was miserable. I dreamed of moving my family to Laramie, Wyoming, and becoming an instructor at the famous automotive trade school that I had attended years earlier. Reading 48 Days to the Work You Love and listening to your podcast became a very integral part of my efforts. I'm writing this to you so you can know I am now the lead instructor of applied service management at this trade school, and I'm playing a significant role in reshaping our curriculum to help our organization stay relevant. Well, he goes through, you know, he went there, he was hired five weeks before the, the school owner decided to, to shut it down. But in that shutdown, they had new owners come in and he got rehired. He says, this time I was competing against men who had been teaching at the school for years. It was not easy, but I had to fall on my time of growth again and dig deep to make myself stand out. It worked. I was hired back as an admissions rep 
in order to keep me on retainer until the school had enough students for me to teach again. It only took nine months for the numbers to rise again. I'm now teaching. The students I teach are dreaming of owning their own hot rod shops, diesel repair shops, and collision shops. Just this past Friday, I thought to tell them about the 48 Days website and book. It was while I was lecturing and telling them they should check it you out that it occurred to me to contact you and let you know I made it. The road was long and ridiculously hard at times, uh, but I made it and now I'm dreaming again. What's next? Well, Brian, thanks for your input. Thanks for that story. You know, I, I remembered that. Golly, I don't know how many years ago that was, but again, years pass quickly. And the question is, if the years are going to pass anyway. What are you doing to change where you're going to be five years from now, 10 years from now? And I look back and think about the things that I'm doing now where I'm reaping the benefits of things that I did 10 or 15 years ago, relationships that I established 10 or 15 years ago, and without having a big agenda back then, seeing how it's unfolded to lead to new opportunities today. So great story. Thanks again for your input. Kristen says, my husband and I have been listening to you. And of course, the strangest secret over and over again gearing up to try the experiment suggested by Earl Nightingale. We're also preparing for him, for my husband, to quit his work and start a new career as an entrepreneur, which includes a move to a new state and enrolling in his life dream of going to helicopter school. Wow, that's cool. There's some major life changes ahead of us. All this change is pending on the birth of our second child, a son. He should be born within a month. And after that, we will not need to be tied to the insurance to cover the major medical cost of delivery. Thank you for your inspiration to follow our dreams and passions. This morning, I was doing my daily scripture study and came across some verses that hugely correlated with so much of what you teach, as well as the wisdom of the strangest secret. I don't have a question for you, but I felt like as a man of faith, these verses would likely catch your attention and mean a lot to you as they mean so much to me in our situation right now. Well, thank you, Kristen. And she did go on to list some verses there. Love the integration. You know, there's wisdom in a whole lot of different sources. I had somebody this just this morning ask me if I was memorizing Bible scripture. And I said, no, really not. I, I read a lot of different translations. And then it makes me wonder, you know, what translation I should use to memorize. But I also read a lot of other inspirational material. You know, I enjoy doing that. I mean, there's a lot of things. I love reading the Stoics. I love reading uh, current theologians and historic theologians, you know, like Frederick Buechner, um, Thomas Merton. I mean, I love reading people like that. So, Uh, It comes from a lot of places. We ought to be able to recognize wisdom when we see it, no matter what the source is. Thanks again, Kristen, for your input. Now, this comes from Rob. He's an active member in 48 Days Eagles, but he wrote a piece in there that I just thought was too good not to share with you, the podcast audience here. He says, this one thing set me back for years. This is so integral. My words now, this is so integral in the kind of thinking that we encourage here. And Rob shares his own thinking process and how it's changed. Now, some of you are going to resonate with this. So I'm just going to go through and and read it, and then I'll comment at the end. But So I start quoting Rob's piece. And again, he titled it, This one thing set me back for years. I started with a chip in my shoulder. I blew it off. I dismissed it all as a bunch of junk. It was all a bunch of lies, lies aimed at separating me from my money, or so I told myself. I viewed everything 
through a very skeptical frame of reference at best, outright scorn at worst. You see, I'd been tainted by my life experience not to trust people. When I was growing up, I was taught to protect myself and view the claims businesses and people made with disdain. Didn't matter what it was, didn't matter if it was a deodorant commercial or some other claim on TV, I'd see them and I would immediately dismiss them as garbage. Same goes for that goldmine of great copywriting inspiration and offers contained in magazine ads. To me, it was always just a bunch of lies. I remember seeing my dad buy some stuff from Don LaPree and how he thought that was going to solve all his issues. He never did anything with it. He spent a bunch of money and a bunch of stuff and never did anything with it. And it frustrated my mom no end. Now, don't get me wrong. Having a healthy sense of skepticism is a good thing when it comes to promises of making money of any kind, because some of those people are in fact just out to make a quick buck. But then I actually saw people who were doing amazing things. I saw people with six and seven figure eBay stores. I saw people absolutely crushing it with their websites and online businesses. I was hooked. And the more I learned the difference between them and me, and it was simply this. They saw promise where I perceived uncertainty. They saw opportunity where I perceived deception. And they built incredible businesses that I saw with my own eyes. If I'd only listened and studied deeper, I would have seen that it wasn't the claims that I was seeing that was the problem. It wasn't the products. It wasn't the methods. It wasn't the tools. It was me. I couldn't see past my skeptical frame of reference. Here's the kicker. If I would have been open to what was being taught, I would have seen that the opportunity was there. If only I could have gotten past my skepticism. Tony Robbins talks about certainty being so vital to anything we want to accomplish. Because if you're skeptical, are you really going to invest the time and energy needed to get it done? Are you going to push past the discomfort when it's getting rough because you're uncertain? No, you won't because you're skeptical and uncertain. If you don't believe in the potential of what you're trying to do, then you've already doomed yourself before you ever get started. Russell Brunson points out that he's never seen anyone be successful in anything when they're skeptical. I can attest to this personally. I was skeptical when I first started learning about online business. I viewed everything with a very skeptical eye and it set me back for years. It wasn't until my skepticism set aside and saw the possibilities that things changed. And when they did, they really changed. Is your skepticism stopping you? Are you skeptical about building an online business of your own? Are you sure you can, are you not sure you can do it? As long as you're skeptical, then your assumptions are correct. Just like Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Don't let skepticism derail you. You've got opportunities right in front of you. So what are you going to do with it? End of, end of quotation. Well, thanks, Rob. What a great piece. I mean, that ought to be a landmark piece. That's... That's comparable to the strangest secret. We become what we think about. And you've really identified your own journey in that so well. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sure it'll speak to a lot of people listening here. Now, let me, let me expand on that a little bit. We have a lot of people who would love to do something on the side, in addition to what they're already doing. And really, that's what we promote. I mean, seldom do I tell somebody, hey, just quit what you're doing. You know, we'll figure something out. Now, it's, let's create something that you can do on the side. Well, the obvious opposition to that is, I don't have the time. 
Well, let's think about this because we talk about how can you find 15 hours a week to do something else? Now, let's just do a little bit mathematics on this. We all start with 168 hours a week. So if you are working 40 hours a week, let's say that you spend another 10 hours commuting. And my gosh, that would be two hours working day. That would be a long commute. But let's just go with that. So 40 hours working, 10 hours commuting. Uh, you want to sleep eight hours a night, which I recommend. I don't recommend trying to get by in four or five hours. No, sleep eight hours. So that's another 56 hours. Let's say that you want to contribute to your community, church, another four hours a week doing that. And I'm going to recommend that you spend four hours a day just focused on your family and relationships you have. Now, that's a lot of time invested in those big those big pieces that we need. But you know, if you do that, again, 40 hours under work, 10 hours commuting, sleep eight hours a night, four hours a week in church work, four hours a day with just your family, you still have 30 hours a week of discretionary time. If you decide to dedicate just half of that to your business, you can indeed have a thriving, prosperous business. I mean, in 48 days, you really can do that. If you make a decision to approach it in that way, there's really no obstacle that can hold you back. Well, let me get to a couple other good news stories here. Here's a a teacher's powerful exercise of leaving emotional baggage at the door has totally changed her classroom. This Oklahoma teacher is being praised for teaching her students a powerful emotional lesson they will soon, not soon forget. Karen Lowe has been teaching seventh and eighth grade students for 22 years, but her most recent day in class was apparently the most impactful day of her educational career. For her sixth day of classes at Collinsville Middle School, she decided to try a new exercise in empathy with her students called the baggage activity. Upon establishing that her classroom was a safe place for expression and respect, she asked what emotional baggage meant to her students. She then asked them to write about some emotional baggage of their own, and since they were not required to put their names in the paper, they could describe their issues as freely as they wanted without being identified. The youngsters were then asked to take turns reading what their classmates wrote. So they'd draw out, you know, a random piece and they'd read it. And then they were given the opportunity to identify themselves as the person responsible for the right if they wanted to. I'm here to tell you I've never been so moved to tears as what these kids opened up and shared about in the class, the teacher wrote. Things like suicide, parents in prison, drugs in their family, being left by their parents, death, cancer, losing pets, and so on. Kids who read the papers would cry because they were re- what they were reading was tough. The person who shared, if they chose to tell us it was them, would cry as well. It was an emotionally draining day, but I firmly believe my kids will judge a little less, love a little more, and forgive a little faster. Now, that story's been shared a whole lot of times. Uh, she took all those paper confessions, the emotional baggage, put it in a plastic bag so they don't have to carry it around with them. They know they put it in there. It was discussed and they can move on. Now, you know, the interesting thing is, that's the end of the story. The interesting thing is that's an exercise that is needed, not just by sixth grade school kids, but by adults. And I I grieve to, to realize that a lot of adults don't have a group of people with whom they can do exactly what was just described. Now, just this week, you know, my mastermind had a very similar kind of 
engagement. We dedicate one of our meeting times each month to doing just that. You know, what are your successes? What are you struggling with? And people share the things people share just like this classroom did. Cancer, loss, struggles, relationship challenges. I mean, it's amazing what people will share if they're in a safe place. Now, a lot of people don't have that kind of a safe place as an adult, but I certainly encourage you to seek that out. My goodness, we, we need that. And it can be extremely refreshing to share that. I know other people are walking with you, supporting you, cheering you on, but seek that out if you don't have that in place in your life at this point. Well, here's another story. Governor intervened so a mom could keep her hilarious license plate. This is just a cute story. For 15 years, Wendy Auger's license plate has brought laughter and smiles to her fellow motorists. So when she received a warning letter about her tags being inappropriate, she was flabbergasted. Most families are familiar with the golden rule of the road trips. Always use the bathroom before you leave so your parents don't have to pull over to rest stop 10 minutes down the road. That's why Auger, who is a mother of four from New Hampshire, made her car's vanity plate. Now I'm going to read the letters to you. P B four W E G O. Now that's it. Now it takes you a little bit to see it. If you pulled up behind it, you know, at a red light or something, it'd take you a little bit, but it, it simply says P before we go. Uh, she says, people think it's funny. She gets high fives, honks horn people and all of that. But in August, just last month, she got a note from the Department of Motor Vehicles saying that her plate was being revoked for referring to excretory acts. <laughs> well, she she wrote wrote a letter back and uh, appealed it, and somehow it got the attention. Somebody shared it with the governor of New Hampshire, uh, Chris Sunaru, and uh, he had been out shopping when a friend told him about. The, what was going on, he immediately contacted the DMV and said, hey, let her keep the plate. So just fun to know that sometimes bureaucracies can uh, be uh, too stringent and uh, bureaucracies can be modified a little by somebody who's in charge as well. Just a fun story. Well, here's a note from Nathan, who uh, is the one who commented on my LinkedIn strategy. He says he's a decade-long listener, been listening for 10 years, uh, now more than ever, uh, despite working in my desired field for a decade as well. You mentioned in last week's podcast that you only recommend spending 10% effort finding new job opportunities and networking through LinkedIn and 90% using other platforms. I just need to let you know that I've used LinkedIn about 90% of the time in my career, and it's been very efficient and effective. And he goes on to say how he's done that, exactly how he's done that. You know, he finds a job he's interested in. Um, many times LinkedIn alerts him on those jobs, search for the hiring manager, send connection invitation to that person, search for recruiters, send connection requests to several of the recruiters, ask if they know who's managing that opportunity. And that's worked really well. 
and I'm delighted it has, you know, and in certain things, you know, when you're working in, you know, white collar kind of corporate positions, I, I think it can work well. There's no question about that. You know, a lot of the people that we have as listeners here are looking for other kind of opportunities. And in that, I think it's not as effective. But again, I, I appreciate the, the reprimand, Nathan, and certainly acknowledge uh, your success, compliment you on using it so well. And if others are in that kind of a situation, absolutely go on and use it to your benefit as well. All right. This comes from Lola who says, Dan, thank you so much for your extraordinary work you do at 48 days. My question is about staying true to the purpose and meaning of your business. She says, I'm starting a new career coaching business to help professional immigrants like myself in the UK and England do work they love while still achieving financial success. But my, to my shock, over 90% of the, 95% of the professional immigrants just want to make money. I think I'm possibly the only professional immigrant here that is determined to do work that I love and still make money. Based on my survey, most of them just want to know the high paying jobs and how to get them. So my question, should I find another audience for my business or do I just charge change my business message to address their needs, which is basically just teach them how to get the highest paying jobs. Golly, well, I love your question. It has a lot to do with who you're trying to help. Now, there is a lot of focus on transactions, over relationships, making money, over having a life that's fulfilling. That's true. But if there's not a blend of talent, passion, and money, they're going to burn out. I mean, I've seen lots and lots of physicians, attorneys, dentists, chiropractors, accountants, engineers, you know, pastors, others like that, who have proved their ability to make a lot of money, but there's no passion or purpose. And they line up at my door because they're burned out. They're self-destructing. They know they are. They've lost their soul. They're having the life sucked out of them because they're making a lot of money, but there's no other reward for that. You know, it's interesting just recently and uh, having the privilege of interviewing Dan Cathy, CEO of Chick-fil-A. You know, one of the things that came out is that in that culture, a lot of the people that work for Chick-fil-A, whether they're making $10 or half a million dollars a year, say that the least important thing they ever got from Chick-fil-A was their paycheck. Golly, does that speak to the culture they've created? The least important thing they've gotten was their paycheck. So if you get somebody who the most important thing they're getting is their paycheck, they're at risk for burning out. But I think a couple things here, Lola. I think you're overestimating the number of people who ignore purpose in their work. And if you're finding that these professional immigrants just want the money, let me tell you, all you have to do is wait two or three years. They'll find out that's not enough after all. And they'll be eager for your help in helping them blend purpose, passion, and mission into their next venture. Now, what you're saying here, I mean, I, I still am identified primarily as a career coach. So you would think, well, I must have a whole lot of people who are 22 years old, just coming out of college, you know, wondering what to do. No, that's not my ideal client. The 22 year old just coming out of college Golly, they think they know it all. They have all the answers. They're just looking for that high paying job. It doesn't fit at all with what I teach. My ideal client is about 47 years old, you know, has already 
experienced the fact that it's not just about money. They're tired of being pushed to produce at the cost of their relationships and health. They're looking for balance and success in all areas of their lives. So a lot of what you can do is perhaps take a fresh look at who is your ideal client. You know, how old are they? Are they male or female? Where do they live? What's their occupation? Are they single or married? Do they have children? How many? What kind of books do they read? You know, what are their hobbies? What do they enjoy buying? And where do they get together? What are their aspirations? What are their core beliefs? What do they fear? I mean, those are the kind of questions you can ask to identify who is your ideal client. And you're going to encounter those who do say, like in the opening of our podcast today, I don't want to lose what I have, but I also don't want to lose who I am. Golly, you can move into working with those people who don't want to lose who they are. Help them identify who they are, then what they do comes second to that. Well, hey, just a quick reminder. These are real life questions you're hearing here. Love to have these come in. I'm honored to open this mailbag every Wednesday morning. What I usually do, take a fresh look at these and then create the podcast. But uh, just shoot your questions into me at askdan at 48days.com. You can also leave an audio message there if you want. There's always a little microphone on any page on the 48 Days website. You can do that as well. But most people just shoot an email into me at askdan at 48days.com. Question from Michael out of Atlanta. He says, I still don't get it. What I love to do and do best. And that he has that in quotes because I talk about that a lot. What do you love to do and do best? He says, it's writing software, but that's not unique at all. He says, by the way, marketing is quite firmly in my zone of incompetence where I experience failure, frustration, and stress. So what you love to do is writing software, but big deal. Lots of people do that. Michael, surely the person sitting next to you in the cubicle or down the street or any other side of the world is not the same as you. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but by the time you're 27, you ought to be able to identify some things that are really unique about what you bring to the table, your background, your credentials, your experience, your life. I mean, those things make you unique. I mean, that's why when people say, gee, I just lost my job at 53 years old, I don't stand a chance between the 25-year-olds who are just coming out with their MBAs. Are you serious? You ought to have a whole lot of value that the 25-year-old does not have. You ought to be able to describe that. And if you're 25-year-olds, you ought to be able to describe what makes you different, what makes you unique. That goes way beyond just what you have on your resume, just what your academic background is, or even identifying, you know, what software you can use. Describe other things about yourself, your likes and dislikes. Keep in mind, a lot of companies, if they are still looking at resumes at all, and many companies are not, but a lot of those who are, even big companies like Microsoft and Google, they may start at the bottom of your resume. They want to see, oh, wow, you played in a rock band when you were in college and worked your way through college debt-free and doing that. That says more of importance to them than the fact that you have an MBA or that you got your degree 10 years ago. Feel free to share those kind of things, but recognize those kind of things make you different, make you stand out. So if you go back into the job search, you're looking for a next opportunity. Those are things that make you 
unique. You know, when we, when we look at activities, just yesterday with a group, we went through this activity where we talked about what are the activities that you do that are in your zone of incompetence? Things you can do, but yeah, anybody could do it. You really shouldn't be doing it. You hate doing it. It's frustrating. And then there are things you do in your zone of competence. Yeah, you do those pretty well, but probably anybody else with your degree, your background could step in and do it as well. Now we'll move into your zone of excellence. Now these are things people compliment you on. These are things you know you do really well. May not be things you're really passionate about, but you know you do them well and you may just want to continue them because gee, it helps with cash flow, helps the pay coming in. Nothing wrong with that. But the people who really knock it out of the park discover those things that are in their zone of genius. What is it that really sets you apart? What is it that when you're doing it, you really come alive? I mean, what is it that other people recognize you for? What is it also that may challenge you to move into it? Because you can be very comfortable in your zone of excellence, in your zone of competence. You can be really comfortable there. And you may think, well, isn't that the point to get towards something where you're really comfortable? There's no challenges. There's no stress, no frustration. Well, not really. (laughs) I mean, uh, those are not people who look back in their lives and with a lot of gratification. You know, it's usually the people who have pushed into their zone of genius. What is that? I mean, there are a lot of things I could just kind of rest in, in doing. But I think my unique ability, my zone of genius is to read, think, process the wisdom of the ages, and then write content that challenges and inspires readers to discover and initiate their own greatness. That's not a very secure place to be. These days to introduce another book when we know there are 3,500 books being released every single day. I didn't say week or month or year, day, 3,500 books. It's really challenging. And yet that's really what I want to do. That's in my zone of genius. And Michael, I think you can discover, you know, what is that for you? What is it that can push you into that area where, well, just how can you identify what it is that you have in your zone of genius? So again, the areas are incompetence, competence, excellence, zone of genius. If you make a list, I made a list initially when I did that of 40, should have been 48, but there were only 40 blanks on the page that I was working on. So I made a list of 40 things that I do. And then I categorized them in those areas. And in my zone of genius was 25% of the time. My goal is to move more of my time, hopefully as much as like 75% of the time into that zone of genius. Things that not everybody else can do. I can delegate a whole lot of what I'm doing now because it's in that zone of competence or excellence. I can delegate that and I'm doing more and more of that, but I want to identify those things that only I can do. Well, a couple more questions here. Archie says the band I joined in February of this year that I am thoroughly enjoying has been playing for three years now. We do both unpaid and paid gigs. I've heard you and many of the 40 Days Eagles members say numerous times we should be more confident in our pricing and our worth and never short sell ourselves. Can you briefly touch on this? 
Yeah, Archie. Archie's a regular listener and commenter. Archie, we appreciate your ongoing support for years and years and years being part of the 48 Days community. And I know you're in a rock band and proud of and having a lot of fun. And congratulations. Now, as to your question, when you determine what are you worth, how can you charge more for that? Then we have to get into the arena of supply and demand. Again, what is it that makes this band so unique? What is it that is sets you apart from all the other rock bands that are out there? There has to be something. Otherwise, it's just another commodity. Thus, it's if you are working at Taco Bell, you know, you're going to make 12 bucks an hour. It's hard to say, well, I really want to make $20 an hour because I'm a good, responsible person. I'm really talented. I serve the customers well. No. It's not going to happen because they can very easily replace you with somebody else that does the job adequately. At the same token, if you're a heart surgeon, you're a cardiologist, there's not a whole lot of people that can do that. So you can get paid really, really well. You can get $5,000 an hour for your work because it's so specialized and something that only very few people can do. So we come back to the rock band. What is it that sets you apart? You know, are you U2 or the Rolling Stones or um, golly, Joanna are getting ready to go to go to a concert this next weekend uh, with the Righteous Brothers, you know, Unchained Melody. My gosh, they've got some things that really, and I'm sure the place is sold out. Um, well, as a matter of fact, I know it is. The tickets are very expensive because they've done something really unique that sets them apart over many, many years. So I don't know. I mean, here in, here in Nashville, you know, in the Franklin area where I live, God, it's so easy to get a band to show up and play or to get really talented individuals. We, we go to a lot of restaurants where there's a little band playing and a lot of times they're there just simply playing, playing for tips. If you do cover music, music that's been done by other people, I don't have easy solutions for how to charge more and more for that. There has to be something that over time really sets you apart. So it's in that zone of genius rather than just being competent or even excellent. Now, the other part of this, the other part of this, Archie, is simply, do you want to force your band to be a primary source of income? Or do you want to do it as a hobby? Because you enjoy it, because you enjoy hanging out, you enjoy entertaining people, interacting with the audience that's there. I mean, you can do that, you know, where you play once every weekend and just have it be part of a balanced life. But to take that and really force it to be primary source of income, yeah, that's pretty tough. No question about it. Well, let me grab another question here. This comes from Bernice. This is a lengthy, lengthy, and I won't go through it all. But uh, Bernice says, I wrote to you in November of 2016. I'm back again to share my heart with you and humbly beg for your assistance with my future endeavors. So much has transpired. And I went back, she was struggling back in 2016. Now here we are three years later. She says, I've battled with cancer and lupus for decades. I continued to work my demanding job throughout and it led to me almost having a nervous breakdown from utter mental and physical exhaustion. Then a blessing in disguise happened to me a few weeks ago and I was made redundant. Now, if you're familiar with that terminology, it just means that uh, they have other people that are doing what you're doing. You're no longer needed. So it's a, it's a fancy way for saying we're going to fire you. I say that blessing 
uh, as listening to your podcast weekly for three years, it's opened up my eyes. I believe I needed that external force to push me into creating meaningful work for myself going forward. The redundancy package, meaning she got a severance package, helped me settle my huge credit card debt, leaving me more settled to now work on my strategy. I've obviously been doing a lot of soul searching to hone in on my passion. I'm 200% certain that I want to help people in the personal development, health and wellness arena. I just couldn't figure out how, and every day I would pray for God to just give me signs. And having listened to your recent podcast, it came to me. And then she talks a little bit about her background. She immigrated to Australia seven years ago, hoping to make a better future for her daughters and came from Zimbabwe. All right. So there, a lot of things were really tough. I was diagnosed with cancer when my daughters were two and seven years old. My husband left me on hearing the news saying he didn't want to be left looking after a dying woman. Today, my daughters, those little girls that were two and seven are now 25 and 30 years old. All through raising them, I struggled with my health, multiple surgeries, chemotherapy, radiation. Um, I've survived it all and I know why God has unfinished business with me. In one of your podcasts, you told us how you started with 48 days to the work you love. And what caught my interest was how you were writing content for Sunday school classes and various church publications. I read your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I've read multiple other books that you've recommended. I'm also an avid listener of the Ziegler Motivation Show that your son Kevin hosts. And he hosts so many significant speakers, all having a message for me. I've been impacted so much by you, Dan, and Ziegler's show. I praise God for bringing me to your platform. Thank you from the bottom of your heart for all you do. Dan, I would love to help my destitute community in Zimbabwe. And my humble plea to you today is, please, can I use your content to share with them? I can start with Sunday school classes, teach, inspire, and help them. Um, Please note that if I only want to help them, I, I only want to help them, nothing else can you please kindly give me a roadmap and share with me the content you use with the Sunday schools? Well, it goes on much, much more information here about that. I love your heart, Bernice, and what you want to do. My goodness, to go back and help the people in Zimbabwe. Um, I've got one of the guys in my mastermind is doing a major work in, um, golly, what is it? It's not Kenya. It's one of the countries there. But uh, because the work has been so successful, he now has major donors that are giving him funding. They just bought some land. They're building a new kind of an entrepreneur center to teach people business ideas. So, you know, it can certainly happen. Now, a couple things I would encourage you, rather than just starting on your own, to look for organizations who are already doing work in the area where you want to help. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Go in and see what are the organizations that are doing great things? What are the organizations that are teaching these poor, destitute people new principles that will help them improve their lives? Partner with them. Go in alongside of them. Show them the 48 Days material. Now, in regard to the content that I was using, the content that I was using with that Sunday school class where I started everything that I'm doing today is readily available. I mean, it's free for the taking. If you go to 48days.com, just look. I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of old blog posts on there. We have resources, downloadable PDFs. There's tons of things on there. You can take, you can get all the content and much more readily available. 
Now, what, what you can do, and just so we're clear on this, is like take the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, photocopy it, and give copies to everybody in Zimbabwe. That, that you can't do. I mean, that's a copyright infringement. That's a violation. And that has more to do with my publisher than me. If it were just me, yeah, I'd probably just give it to you. But that's a publishing issue. So that we can't do. That's different. So, but you have so much else that you can use. And, and believe me, I'm very generous with other things. I know people have copied the worksheets that we put out that go along with 48 Days to the Work You Love the study materials. I mean, I can give you access to even more, you know, on, on our, our online materials. And obviously, I mean, this is one of those situations where people, you hear a lot about people who are in the, the 48 days Eagles community I mean, it's $36 a month. Wow. I mean, with that, they get access to a whole lot of things. I mean, they get the complete, well, as an example, the complete copy of Right to the bank, W-R-I-T-E, how to turn your writing into money. It's $197, but they get access to that instantly. They get a whole lot of things. New courses that we've got coming out are all part of that community. We wanted to make that really affordable for people where they would get the best that I have to offer. So all of that is in there. So that being said, my goodness, just um, take advantage of that. Don't, I, I certainly don't hesitate to ask. Um, look around. Now, it's not like I can just stop what I'm doing, you know, and sit down and help craft a plan for you. But the plans that I've crafted for other people are certainly applicable. There are a lot of those that are shared in the 48 days material, you know, 48 days with um, the people in Africa that you're trying to help, where we know that it's not just a matter of giving them food for a day or clothing for a day. That's just a Band-Aid approach. What we need to do is equip them so that they can Fish for themselves, as an example, to use the old metaphor. You know, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Give a, teach a man a fish, he eats for a lifetime. Well, you, we want to teach them to fish. So there's material in No More Dreaded Mondays, how people have taken simple ideas and turned those into very viable, profitable businesses. There are a lot of ideas in our 48 low and no cost business ideas. And if you have a copy of that, again, that's a free resource in the Eagles community. But in there, a lot of people have taken ideas in there, like pressure washing or just collecting, having the the tree companies that do the tree trimming in the neighborhood dump their wood chips on my property that I can then use for nature trails and playground areas. People have taken an idea like that and turned it into a viable business. There's a whole lot of things that people have done. Well, and I could go on and on. I don't need to go on there. there we, we've shared a whole lot of those ideas and how people are taking those ideas. And that's the kind of thing that you want to do. But again, yeah, help yourself to 48 days resources. Thank you so much for your compliments about how it's helped you and changed your life. And I certainly hope that it'll do the same for others. Well, my goodness, let's um, need to wrap things up here. You know, I want to just remind you again of our quotation for today coming from George Bernard Shaw. You see things and you say, why? But I dream things that never were. And I say, why not? That's the thinking I want you to have. I want you to encourage you in that thinking. Why not? If you see a better way to do something, but when I think about all the new inventions coming out, new ways of doing things, not just in the technology world, but just simple ideas that help us. It just never ceases to thrill me. 
you, you who are listening, you can be the next person to come up with an invention that changes the world and puts money in your pocket. It doesn't matter where you live. And this is not a matter of geography. A lot of times people think, well, if I only lived in, you know, Nashville, Tennessee or Houston or Dallas, it, it does. Geography has little to do with your chances for success. Don't use it as, as an excuse. You, there, there's, a, there's a concept called the zip code concept. You can accomplish anything you want to within the zip code where you already live. And I really believe that. Pretty much virtually anything in the zip code where you already live. Look at that as your acres of diamonds right there. But don't be afraid to step out. Hey, carve out those 15 hours a week. Golly, go back and look at the notes today if you want to see how I broke down that taking 168 hours and starting with that and reducing by things that are really important and still ending up with 30 hours. If you only use half of that, you can knock it out of the park. Be confident you can do that. Hey, thanks for being part of this growing community. Having lots of fun together, enjoying life. Yes, blending our passion and purpose in what we do. It's not just about money. It's about having lives that matter, lives that are fulfilling and fun, relationships that are rich and deep. But thanks for being part of this group where we, in fact, know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You don't have to settle for less.